Okay, so we'll start with prayer. Oh, Father, I just thank you and I praise you for this wonderful opportunity to just spend time and have fellowship, Lord. Thank you so much for who you are, who you've created us to be. Father, I thank you for your peace. Father, I thank you for your prosperity. I thank you for the life that you breathe in us. And Father, knowing that we've inherited you. We've inherited you, Lord. That you provided yourself as a way that we can escape to at any time and stay in. Father, I thank you that you are going to be stirring up your spirit inside of each and every one of our hearts tonight to share the good news. And Father, and you're going to illuminate just how this happens. And Holy Spirit, I just ask right now that you just come up and fall upon this, this group, this upper room. Have your presence fill this space with your peace, with your understanding, with your wisdom. Father, that your Holy Spirit speak to each and every one of us individually and illuminate things in the word, in these words, Lord, um, in your scriptures. And thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in each and every one of our lives. And thank you, Lord, for bringing us together for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so um, we're, when we're talking about sharing the gospel, it's pretty amazing uh, as far as the, just the variety that we do see. Um, and know that when you're looking at scripture, you're typically looking at two different types of, of individuals. You're looking at Gentiles and you're looking at the religious or the Jewish community. And you have to actually know how to go about um, spreading the word to both of those individuals. And, um, and we're just really just going to look at, at the word of the Lord um, to, to help us with this whole process. Um, and it's, it's interesting because I, usually I just keep things really simple. And, you know, there are times when people are open. There are times when people aren't open. And the main thing is, is like we have to realize that we don't save people. So, therefore, um, all we do is preach the word and preach the gospel. It is not our job to save people. That's the Holy Spirit's. You know, that's the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to flow through us to do all this. So we actually have no pressure on us, you know. I've seen people get saved by, by saying, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you on the beach. You know what I mean? As simple as Jesus loves you on this beach. I've had people where um, they've been you know, convicted of what they were doing just by the lifestyle that this other person was living. You know, I've, I've sent letters to people uh, explaining the gospel, explaining the good news and, and the fact in our need for the Savior. And they've come to the Lord. So there's a variety of different ways to do it. And I'll go into those testimonies a little bit later. Um, but let's first take a look at the, the scripture verse uh, that I have here. And I'm basically going to have you guys read it, whoever wants to volunteer. But I'm going to stop you and ask questions because I love questions. So I'll scooch a little bit closer. I feel like I'm so far away. All right. And I mean, it's like awkward. It's fine. However, yeah, I mean. Okay, so who wants to read? It's, we're going to be in John chapter 4, verse 7 to 26. And this is the woman at the well. Who wants to start? Mm -hmm. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, 
you ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria. Okay, stop right there. So what did Jesus do right there? He asked a question, number one, yes. What else? He related to her in the natural realm. Yep. Do you need something to drink? Yep. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Oh, how's it going? Thank you. Yeah, so he, he said, oh, oh, yep, there, perfect. It's one per person. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh, you'll be behind the pole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to I'm going to scooch closer, too, so... There you go. That's like my, my classroom. In, in the, in the, where I'm in like the basement, number one. There's no windows. And there's a pole blocking always one student. So that student always tries getting away with stuff. You know what I mean? Not to say you're going to get it. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, okay, so you know, we kicked off with John 4, chapter 7. And we read through about 10. Um, and number one, yeah. He, he spoke. He talked about the natural. He related to the natural. Okay, but what was the, the really significant thing is um, if you look at how is it that you would you ask for me ask for a drink from me a woman of Samaria? What significance does that play? What is that saying about Jesus? He breaks boundaries and breaks the rules. Mm-hmm. He treats everyone the same. Treats everyone the same. Yeah. Okay. The biggest, the biggest thing I get from this is, is humility. The first thing that started this whole thing was humility. He wasn't above this person. Oh, look, there's a woman of Samaria. No. He actually went to her and asked her. He, he initiated it, too. You know, so the initiation is so important, number one. But also, what was the driving force behind it was love. He loved this woman to go against culture and to say, give me drink, give me a drink. And just those four words, all of a sudden, are you like this woman surprised? Like how in the world are you asking me for a drink? And then Someone want to continue reading uh, verse 10 to just keep reading, and then I'll stop you. Jesus answered her, If you have the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, or he would have given you living, living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Okay, well, stop right there. Now she's perplexed. Can we agree that, like, all of a sudden, like, this has really perplexed her? Okay, so now what did Jesus do here? So he started off in the natural, and now what is he talking about? The supernatural, the the spiritual. Remember, we are spiritual beings living in an earthly realm, all right? But what are we, then that's what Jesus came down to earth, all right? So his dwelling place is that spiritual. So when he's now, all of a sudden, he switches it to a spiritual, okay? And then... Let's go to verse 12. Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will never be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Mm. 
Let's stop there. Okay, so what do you guys think of this? <laughs> in the heat, in the heat of the day, too. Because of just the whole circumstance, why is she there by herself? Because she can't be there when all the other women are there. So it is a Yeah. And then that goes back to the very first aspect where Jesus, I mean, she wasn't even accepted in her community. She wasn't even accepted with from a woman, like women didn't even accept her. So she was just, no one wanted to talk to her. And here is a Jew humbling himself down to speak to her, you know? Yeah, it's just like, you know, when I'm, when I'm passing somebody, and I'm, I can't say passing, but when I see somebody on the street in Cleveland, and he's, he's homeless, he's begging for money. And how many people pass him? How many people are like, oh, you don't want to give those bums uh, X, Y, and Z, you know? Oh, they're just going to buy booze with it. I mean, these are all things that we've heard, you know? Or do you go over there and yes, you meet a physical need by, hey, you're giving him some money, money and then you're like, hey man, like, like, and you just start asking him how he's doing. And that just initiates it. So it's something as simple as that, you know, and, and it's amazing because like I had one kid when I was evangelizing to some of the people, I would always hand money to, to someone and, and talk to them and say, hey man, Jesus loves you. And I, I would meet a need and then sometimes they would come back with questions or so on and so forth. Interesting thing, I'd be seeing them again too, probably like the next weekend or something if I'd go down, and then we'd have this relationship going. Um, and uh, it, was, it was great because, you know, what ended up happening through that was that all of a sudden people saw a light. They saw love. They saw the image of what we've all been created for, what, we, what, what we're desire, what, what everybody desires. Um, and uh, it opens the doorway to having more conversations. Uh, and uh, it's pretty amazing here some of their stories. They're incredible stories. Honestly, they are incredible stories. Um, that uh, they are incredible stories as far as um, when you talk about their life and all the stuff that they've gone through. You know, it explains a lot of why they're there. And then, and it's just just like what, what you're going to find out with how Jesus then exposes how she, why she's where she's at. You know. Um, but right away, it's the humility aspect that, that happened prior to all of this. Okay? And then he starts talking spiritual things, and then she starts desiring what Jesus is saying, which is awesome. I mean, it's like, if you're, I, I'm sorry, like you, you can't evangelize when you're just the mean, like, hey, Jesus loves you, thinks the world of you, he's great, yeah. You know, it's like, and then you start like complaining and stuff like, and groveling. People don't want that. It's like, why, if you were to win the, the lottery, $15 billion, you would be like happier than a clam, you know? And you'd be telling everybody, I just won the, the greatest lottery of all time, you know? And, but we, so have we. Like we have. We should be, it doesn't matter what happens in our life. 
because we have him, and he's worth more than anything that this world can offer. So, All right, so this is where Jesus gets the word of knowledge, which is awesome. All right, so verse 16. Okay, stop right there, okay? So what happened here? Like, what happened, like, through this small little dialogue? I think he's... I see this as, in the first part, she's still on her natural need of water from the well, and I'm outcast, and I have to come out here in the heat of the day and draw water, and if there was some way around that, if you've got the magic button, I'll mm-hmm. take the magic Mm-hmm. fix my physical problem. And Jesus is wanting to get beyond that and show her that really your problem isn't a physical problem, it's a spiritual problem. Right. And and here it is. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna invite you into this by asking you a question. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Um, that will illustrate that your problem is not a physical one, it's a spiritual one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're asking me that question? No, no. I'm saying Jesus, yeah, he's, yes. Jesus okay, is yeah. asking her a question. Yeah, okay. To show her, to lead right. her the place of understanding your problem isn't a physical one, it's a spiritual one. Mm-hmm. Right. To get her Correct. off of that. Correct. And what's the first thing that she says? You're a prophet. And what do prophet, prophets hear from who? God. From God. You know? So, and now that's what we call, it's a word of knowledge. Okay, so it's, it's a word that only you, you actually will get and receive from God. And then you're able to then ask the question or say something. For instance, I've gotten like people's names. I'm like, well, what do you think of? I never say, well, God told me something like this. Okay, I never say that. But what I do say is I'm just like, hey, um, I have a question for you. Does, I, does, Tim, does Tim or Timothy, does that, does that resonate with you? And they're like, oh. That's my like son's name who ran away when he was 16 and I was heartbroken. I've never recovered and I blame God for it. How did you know? Okay. Um, but that's what we're dealing with here where Jesus, he, he, gets, he gets the Holy Spirit, speaks to him, and then ex- says exactly what's holding her back from, from really receiving the truth. Okay. So right away that breaks barriers. All right. It's just like when I'm walking into a supermarket and I'm just sitting there and I'm like and I'm shopping with the Lord and I'm like, this is this is awesome. You know what I mean? And then and then I'm like grabbing macaroni and cheese or this. And and then I look and I see a woman and I'm and I get the word neck. Okay, so I'm going to go over there and I'm going to say, "Uh, excuse me, I have a really good question for you. Does does your neck give you trouble? Well, wait. And she's like, well, how how did you know? Can you tell? I'm like, no, 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 but can, can, then can I pray for you, right? So now you're meeting their physical need by prayer. You've already opened the door by, by saying, does your neck bother you? And then I would then lay hands, I would pray for them, and then uh, most of the time, if not all the time, I see that all of a sudden they're like, whoa, 
okay, who are you? You know, all of a sudden, I can tell them anything. I can say I'm from Mars. I can say that. And like, how did you do that? You know, but at that point, that's when you lay the gospel out to them. You know, and, and it's just like, I just want to let you know that Jesus loves you. And that he's the one that took away all that pain. You know, and at that point, you've got where someone would be like, well, I don't believe in Jesus. You know what I mean? And I'm like, yeah, but Jesus believes in you and he loves you and he thinks the world of you. And then you go into and he and he's laid down his life for you to have eternal life with him. All right. And then it's like, oh, well, I did that back in the day. And, you know, and then they start sharing some of the things. What happens usually is you kind of hit the bee's nest and the bees start coming out. Um, and what really comes out is like, let's say, bitterness, resentment towards the church, things like that that come upon. It. And then sometimes I will just be like, hey, I just want to let you know that I apologize for whatever happened to you. you know, but I'm going to tell you one thing, that that's not Jesus. That's not his love. You know, that you've been hurt. That this is like, that's not who Jesus is. But let me tell you who Jesus is, you know, and then I go into it again, you know. Um, Real quick on that, I think yeah. you look at it on the uh, other side of the coin, mm-hmm. this way. But if you look at here, Jesus is, uh, he's bringing conviction here. Uh, go call your husband, come here. So he's, he's pointing to the Ten Commandments, which is like, thou shalt not commit adultery. So he's bringing that conviction where. Uh, where every sinner probably really needs to get to that point. Uh, most people will, uh, most people don't understand, even understand their sin, don't understand it, you know, their guilt. And the Ten Commandments, the moral law, is the perfect standard that God gives. So he points, Jesus points, and he often does as you read in the scriptures, he's pointing to um, the Ten Commandments to bring that conviction. So she can, you know, want to have the gospel. You want to have, get the disease, understand the disease of sin before you get the I mean, I understand where he's coming from. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just, you know, uh, Jesus loves you. But sometimes I've seen where people <laughs> are just, you know, that might work. But other times, you know, you, you might want to try a different way as far as, like, getting them to understand their sin and mm-hmm. then giving them the cure of the gospel. And that's kind of what he does here. He doesn't reveal himself right away. He reveals himself at the end. He said, I'm the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is a picture here of a very good evangelism. And the mm-hmm. natural realm switches to the spiritual, then he brings conviction using the law and the Ten Commandments, and then he reveals himself and cure the gospel. Mm-hmm. And that's too, like, when, when dealing, it, it always goes back to are, who are you talking to? Who's your audience as far as a Gentile or someone who is Jewish? Someone who's Jewish or someone who's religious thinks that if you, if you be a good person, that, that, that's what gets you in. Oh, I'm a good person. Well, that's not possible without Jesus. You know what I mean? Um, and then that's where, um, I, as far as we get, like uh, one of the testimonies I had, is I wrote this whole long thing about what Jesus did, how we all fall short of the glory, how we talk about the sin being um, weights that we can't, like that will sink us to the bottom of the, the lake. You know what I mean? There's no way that we can avoid it. But we need a savior to save us from it. You know, and then you go through, have you ever lied before? Have you ever done that? Of course. And then they'll say, yes, I have. It's like, well, you have to be perfect to go to heaven. And all of a sudden they're like, what? That's impossible. Correct. It is impossible. Well, no one's going to get into heaven. You're right. No one's going to get into heaven because no one can. Well, then how do we, 
there's Jesus. He did it all. So that, that, that conviction, in as far as that goes, that happens. Um, I'll give you one testimony where what, what happened was I was, uh, it was at Slippery Rock, and my wife, I think, had soccer practice, so I just shot around with this one kid named Ricky. He, I met, we met him randomly at the basketball uh, courts outside of her dorm. And um, anyways, you know, I hooked up with him, and, and I was just like, Hey man, what are you doing at this time? You know, my wife's going to, or my fiance at the time is going to be playing soccer. He's like, Hey, let's just go to the rec center. So I'm okay. So what I ended up doing was I was just like, and I sat back and we were just shooting hoops and, um, I felt compelled to share the gospel message this way. Okay. And I was just like, okay, so just picture, I'm like, I'm like, this is how much the, the Lord loves you. And I said, um, you know, picture you're swimming. And heaven is this island that you can see. And you're swimming, but you've got these weights on you. And these weights are heavy. Now, someone has more, some people have more weights than you do, you know, and some of those, some people have less. But yet again, and those weights are, let's say, if you've ever lied before, if you've ever done this, this, that, okay? And for some reason, I'm telling this and I'm relating it to swimming, right? And I'm like, this is cool. Like, this is, and it was like a picture that I got, you know? And, and I was like, okay. And all of a sudden, you're swimming, you're swimming, but, and you're getting closer, but the problem is, is these weights are weighing you down, and you can't make it. So you all start going under. And then this man comes out of nowhere. He takes the weights from you, pushes you back up, and then you keep going. And you make the island. And there's other people there that, that, you, that make the island with you. And you're like, oh my gosh, did you see that guy? You're like, yeah, that guy. That guy, yeah, that guy, yeah. He's like, he took, he took my weights too. He took yours. And they're like, oh, oh, there he is. And like, you say, hey, hey. And you're waving to him. And then all of a sudden you see him go under. And he doesn't come out. And then that's when I said, that's Jesus who took away all of that from you so that you can have eternal life in heaven. So this kid all of a sudden starts like tearing up and crying. And I'm like, that's pretty sweet. And then I'm like, and that's why, why we need him. He is our only savior. And then he said this, he was just like, I used to be a swimmer. I used to be a swimmer of eight, like eight years, like eight years of swimming. Like that, that was my sport. And he's like, this really resonates with me. You know what I mean? But it's those promptings that you have with the Holy Spirit that get you into this place of, okay, this is how I'm going to, how I'm going to say it or present it. You know, it's not really rocket science. It's just, okay, I, I love this person and I want to do whatever it takes to get this person to an understanding of where they need to be. Okay? Yes. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So God has given me some really good evangelism stories that, you know, I, I kind of, so it's good to be prepared and maybe ask him, for, or he just kind of drops it in 
Yeah, and that's and that's what it's, just, it's just a conversation. I'm not, I'm not you. I don't oh, I know. Well, no, but yeah, I know. And there, no, and there are times. There are times when it's like I don't really get anything. I just, I just share my love with the person, then I, I, I open up to maybe a testimony that I have, and then through conversation, though, like all of a sudden, what I, I get a lot of, I get from a discernment standpoint too. Like I actually, when they'll talk, I can all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, that's a spirit of anxiety. That's a spirit of this. That's a spirit of this, and that's a spirit of that. You know, so now you're operating not in a word of knowledge. Now you're acting in, in, in a, the gift of discernment to, to assess it. It's just like, oh, hey, can I, now can I pray for you, right? And then I, let's say I lay hands or this and I say, hey, you know, in Jesus' name, all anxiety leave, all tension leave, this, 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 and this. And then that's when, let's say, a word of knowledge comes in. And then all of a sudden I'm like, hey, does your, one, does your right ankle hurt? Okay, now, and keep in mind too, like all this and we're, we're going to dive deeper into it because there's other examples that, that we have. Um, all this comes down to is, is our, the humility that we have going to the person in love, but also the humility that we have in yielding to the Holy Spirit and his moving, movements and promptings. Um, I can tell you that there are, there's times where I, I walk and approach someone and they're like, you know, like, leave me alone. You know, they swear at me, whatever it may be. You know, I, I walk door to door knocking to give food to somebody. This is in Indianapolis when we were evangelizing in the area. And we're knocking on the door. It's like, hey, we've got some food. Do you guys want it? No, leave me alone. Okay. I'm like, it's free food. You know, um, and uh, eventually someone did finally, you know, say, um, say to come in, you know. And then it, yet again, it's the same uh, where you're giving, you're, you're providing a physical need. And then you're also saying, hey, we have some, we just have, how's your life going? How's this going? And then we actually share why we're there, you know? Um, but yeah, any of those, any of those things uh, do work. Um, okay, so uh, if we go to the, the next scripture verse, okay, this is Luke 23, 39 to 43. So, the, I mean, the great thing, too, uh, with the, the, last, the last scripture verse we dove, dove into, like, she literally left everything, and she went and got the entire town around her, saying, this, this is the Messiah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, all of a sudden, this is the guy. And uh, it's amazing where all, all it takes is one person, and then that one person now spreads the word in the community. And then they bring people back, okay, which I've seen happen, you know, where someone gets healed by the Lord, and then they go get their friend, and then they go get this friend. And you're like, wow, this is pretty amazing, okay? Um, a scenario is at the mall where the mall is kind of difficult. Shopping centers are very hard sometimes if you go to evangelize in those. Number one, um, because people are, don't want to be bothered. They want to keep walking. And they don't want to be like, I'm shopping. I've got a, minute, I've got a, a, a small amount of time to do this. 
where I have a tendency to walk towards those people that are just sitting in the mall, just hanging out. Okay, that's that's more of an open door to me than it is trying to bother someone who is shopping in the middle of like, I can't talk to you right now. I've got to think about what I need to get done. You know, I don't have enough. I don't, there's not enough time apparently. You know, which is I understand that. So, you know, walking and ministering to somebody when they're sitting down, that's like the same thing. Like I, I remember sharing just the, the love of the Lord to this one woman. And I just asked the question because she had a cane. I'm like, well, what's wrong with your, what's wrong with your leg? Is it the, like the left knee? And she's like, no, it's the right knee. I'm like, okay. Like, I didn't know. You know I'm like, okay, fine. And, and um, she's like, I want to walk back to my car, but I can't. So that's why she's sitting there. All right. So then I, I prayed. And all of a sudden, like, I, when I'm, anytime I'm ministering to the, another thing is I don't close my eyes because I want to see how the body's responding to the presence of the Lord. Okay. Sometimes they're like, you know, like it's weird what people do. Like they'll close their eyes and I'm like staring at them. You know what I mean? But, and they're just kind of like, Oh, or they're like, you could just see in something has come upon them. And then all of a sudden, you know, anyway, she said, she, she's, I'm like, so how does your knee feel? She's like, I just feel these. She just made like this thing with her hands, you know. I'm like, oh, like tingling. She's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, how does it feel? And she's like, okay. And I picked her up. She, and then she like actually, I'm like, here, bend down. And she bent down and she got, she, I couldn't be, I wasn't able to do that for the last two years. All right, praise the Lord. And now here you go, gospel. And it's like, because Jesus loves you. That's the love that he has for you. It's like, oh, I've been a Christian for 35 years. You know, or something like that. Okay. You know what I mean? You know, and um, just ministering from that standpoint, she's like, hey, I want you to come over. I want you to come with me. Okay. And she brings me out in the parking lot because her husband was in there. So now I'm going to minister to him. You know, all it takes is that one instant where all of a sudden, and she's like, he, he healed my leg, you know, and so on and so forth. So all it does is that one person, just like the woman at the well, gathering all those people, and just like what we're going to see, um, you know, with the, per- the person that was outside uh, the synagogue, okay? Um, now, Luke 23, 39, 43, okay? So this one, it says, one of the criminals who uh, were hanged railed at him, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself, But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed just justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Okay? So... This is the point where we want everybody to be at. You know, they recognize that we're all dying. We're all going to face him. And he understands that he, he's facing condemnation. Okay? He also understands who Jesus is and that he is setting the captives free. Okay? He is... He's like, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He realizes that he is the son of God, which is amazing. Okay? And that's some of the things, too, is like sometimes people don't, number one, a lot of people don't even believe in Jesus. Oh, he doesn't even exist. Okay? You know? Or they say Jesus, 
oh yeah, he's Jesus, but he's just like every other guy, which isn't true because he's the only one that was raised from the dead, okay? And really, if by proving the, the fact that he died and rose again, that proves really everything because that proves that A, he's God, B, that he says that he's the only way. So really proving that is the main thing, okay? But remember, we're not in this, this theological argument this, um, because that can always be, that can always lead to bad things, okay? It can lead to you in the flesh trying to convict this person um, and um, it could kind of make a mess of it. So I, that's why I always rely on the Holy Spirit. And sometimes like, it's like, okay, I want to say X, Y, and Z, but Holy Spirit, what do you want to say? in the instance that we're in. Okay? Now, we get to Acts chapter 2, verse 36 to 41, if someone wants to read that. And then we're going to, this is, now remember who we're talking to. We have to know the audience. Okay, so if someone wants to read this, by all means. But all the house of Israel, therefore, Okay, so <laughs> this, is, this is just crazy. Um, now we're talking about Peter here. Now this is Peter after the Holy Spirit. Okay, this is, this is a new reborn image of God, image bearer of God. So anything that we thought of Peter prior to, this isn't the same guy. Okay, we clearly know that because he was scared and running away because he was accused by a, a little girl, okay? And, not, um, and now, here he is in front of thousands of people. And what does he say to them? Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus, whom you crucified, points the finger at him. You know what I mean? These are, now keep him... These were guys who thought they were good people, who understand that from a, from a, if we even talk Ten Commandments, like, it was like they killed someone whom you crucified. You killed the Son of God. Okay? Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? So at that moment, this whole idea of I'm a good person was completely destroyed. And that whole religion was completely destroyed based off the fact that they realized that they were the ones who crucified Jesus. Okay? Now, and then oh, what do they say? What shall we do? Now, they, they're, now they're looking. And that's where Jesus, and Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? 
It's like simple. Oh, it's so simple. Turn from your wicked ways. Turn, turn to Jesus, who, by the way, forgives your sins. He's the only one. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it's like, and that's, and that's where you, you have to get people to that point. We're, I'm dealing with religious folk, and sometimes a Gentile or Jew or whatever, you know, you, you still have to get them to that, that point of understanding that the only reason why Jesus died was for your sins. So that you can have eternal life with him, you know. Um, and however that comes out. Now, like I said, most people that say I'm a good person, I go right into it. I go right into, oh, so I have a question for you. And then you start rambling the questions off. And, and whether that's just like, okay, have you ever lied before? And then, yes. Okay, have you ever stolen something? Yes, I have. When I was three years old, I took my brother's little toy car. And I'll never forget it. Okay? Things like that. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, okay, well... Right away, that deems you not able and not fit to be in the kingdom of God. What? Okay? That, yet again, you're dealing with religious, religious folk. Okay? Which is it, which there is, there is differences. Okay? Because I, I, was, I was ministering to people in um, juvenile detention. It's in Chippewa. It's like Chippewa Juvenile Detention Center. It's in just around the Maslin area. Roughest of rough go there. Roughest of rough. It is the, the highest security juvenile detention center. And these kids, I mean, the worst, the worst in Ohio go there. So I'm in there. And um, do they really need to be convicted of how bad they are? Yeah. No. So what do they need to be shown? Okay. They know they're bad. They're in jail. All right. Different audience. Different everything, you know. Um, but they also have to find a need. They, they need this, like, because what they're yearning for is love, acceptance. They, they, most of them come from abused backgrounds. You know what I mean? So it's like, so those are some of the things that it's like, okay, well, this is what Jesus offers you. And you talk differently. And then you tell them what you were created for, you know, and, and so on and so forth. Like, I, I actually related to, um, I just, I shared my testimony because I was able to relate to them. It's like, guys, listen, I was an atheist. You know, every word out of my mouth or every sentence I spoke was a swear word. I was caught up in, in drugs and alcohol. And I was, you know, caught up in all these, these addictions that I had. And it's just like, and I, I mean, I literally heard voices like in my head that were like prompting me to do something. And, and it's like, but then Jesus came. And he freed me. You know? And then, and then he explained to me what those voices were. And he explained it. And then, so all of a sudden, you, you are now relating to them because we were, we, we were once all sinners in this world. Just like they, they, are, they need to realize how we are one and the same. And how now I've got pulled up out of it. And they can get pulled out of it too. So there's what we call hope. There's hope. And... I remember sitting down saying, after talking all about that, and this kid just walked up to me really quietly, and he sat next to me, and he looked at me, and he's like, so you can hear voices? And I was like, yeah, I used to. He's like, I hear them all the time, and they don't shut up. Okay, so now he's exposed that he's under demonic oppression, that he needs, and what's he searching for? Freedom. 
See that? How easy that is? Now, all, and I mean, I didn't do it. I just shared a testimony, and the Holy Spirit was the one that was convicting this person to do that. Okay? I've also had it where I've been out in the streets of Cleveland. We had, it was called Healing on the Streets, and um, it was a really awesome ministry that happened on Saturdays. Um, I think I, I parked at like St. Ignatius. I think it was in the square. Uh, down, there's like a square. I don't know. That's what a market square or something like that. And, um, you know, we would all kneel down in a circle and we would pray before all of this. And then we'd get up and we'd just move to different areas and share the gospel, whatever that looked like at the time. And I remember going to one gentleman and I went to him and I was just like, hey, um, hey man, can I just, can I just sit, pray for you? You know, I just feel like really, I, no, get away from me. And then he went to the middle of the square. Someone approached him again. And he, get away, like, get away from me. Like, I don't want to hear it. And then he got to the end of the square and he gave his life to Christ by the, the last person. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, so if you look at it like that, it's just like the Holy Spirit was moving through. The first, the, the Holy Spirit just, I wanted, I just felt compelled to talk to this person. And he completely rejected me. Here I am. Am I going to put my tear between my legs and be like, oh man, like I'm in, oh boy, you know? No, it's just like, okay, I did, I did what I was called to do. And what that was is that started softening the soil of this man's heart. It got softened again. And then his, his heart was softened to the point where he was able to receive a seed. And then boom, he gave his life to the Lord and bawled his eyes out. This tough dude. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, so all we're here to do is minister and to, to people and to walk in, in the newness of life that we have. And we're free from that. Like, and there are times when I swing and miss. Like, hey, does your, does your neck give you issues? No. Okay. You know, does anyone, does, how about your body? Does your body give it? No. I'm like, okay, strike two. You know what I mean? And now all of a sudden I'm like, I'm like, well, hey, I just, and then I'll, Follow it up with something else, something as simple as just like, well, hey, can I at least pray for you? And I just want to bless you today. Sure. Or no, get away from me. It's okay. Well, I just want to let you know that Jesus loves you. He thinks the world of you and he's got, and then I would share truth. Now truth being like, you know, that he's, he's got a special plan and purpose for your life, you know, and he really desires you. How many people want to be desired? You know, and it's just like, and he really desires you and he thinks the world of you and he wants you to come closer to him. And then that person locks wet. And you'd be like, well, I could have presented X, Y, and Z, but she wasn't ready for that yet. And then, well, who's to say that? Because the Holy Spirit really said, shut it down, Adam. Okay? Another, another time was I'm... <laughs> my next door neighbor, he was an older gentleman, and, um, you know, and uh, he, he said something like, hey, you want to buy this bike? You know, it was, it was a garage sale. You want to buy this bike? I'm like, hey, I... I'm really not interested in the bike, but can I pray for you? You know, he's like, and he just swore. He's like, just buy the better bike. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm really not interested in the bike. I just want, can I pray for you though? And he's just like, no, I don't want to pray. Well, two months later, he comes to my wife. Hey, what do you guys believe? So for two months, that was festering in this guy. You know? And all I did, I was just, hey, can I? Can I pray for you? Can I? No, get away from me. Okay. But the thing is, is the Holy Spirit brings that to, 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 to um, the guy's mind. You know, just like if you look at um, King Xerxes, when, when um, who was it? Uh, in Esther. All of a sudden he was sleeping in his bed. He couldn't sleep that night. And all of a sudden it was brought to the memory of, okay, I'm just going to have somebody read this. And sure enough, 
it came down where Mordecai, who was about to get executed that, that next morning, he's like, well, have we done anything for Mordecai? No. You know what I mean? You know, like at the perfect time. So, so I'm just saying that sharing this just because it's like there's so many different avenues to do it. And you, you, you have to realize that um, there's different times for, for where you share a testimony. There's different times where, you know, you get a word um, and so on and so forth. Uh, I think the best... Uh, no, nah, I can't say best, but I really enjoy this next one um, in Acts chapter 3, verse 1 to 2. Okay, so we, talk, we, see Acts, we see Acts 2 and we see the conviction of the religious heart. All right, and then we see a man who knows he's not worthy to go into the temple. He's deemed a sinner. He's deemed unclean. Okay, just like the people that were in the, um, the juvenile detention center. Okay, so does anyone want to read this? Amazing, huh? So could he go in the temple prior to? So he couldn't because he was unclean. And now all of a sudden, what's, what's happened to him? Now he's a testimony. A walking testimony who's been made clean by Jesus. So they went to the root problem, and that was the fact that he was lame. Money, they could have given him money, and granted they didn't have any at the time. But what he really needed was the healing. Okay? Now, and I already shared with you this, the same... Um, I already shared with you the, uh, the woman that was in the airport. You know, she was in a wheelchair. And, she, man, she was mean. Mean woman, like mean woman. But of course she's going to be mean when she's got, you know, an 8 out of 10 pain in her back. And can't walk. And is miserable and hates the world. But then the Lord touched her. And she got up and walked. And all the pain left. And she bawled her eyes out. And then there was a circle of people around asking what's going on. And then she explained it. I didn't have to do anything. I just sat there and just watched her explain. This kid, this, Jesus, you know, all right? And then there I am now. I, it opens the door to the gospel presentation and how much that he loves us, how much he cares for us, and how because of what we've done, 
We need him to bring us because he's the only way. All right? And it, oh, it's, it's a continual cycle of that. Okay? And then I got to pray for a couple other people. Then, of course, then everybody's got like some type of pain in their body. And they're, they're asking for prayer at that point. All right? Okay. So then we have, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Okay, and the, before, we even, before we even move on, you're going to realize there's, there's, there's two things. We talked about the baptism. There's three baptisms. Okay, there's the baptism of, with John the Baptist. That deals with repentance. Um, this is in Acts 8. Then you, you go into the baptism of Jesus Christ, which is being born again, which um, cross, crosses John, John chapter 20. And then we get into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the power source. That is everything that we need to do what we're called to do and be. Without the Holy Spirit falling upon Jesus, when he, was, when he was pulled out of the water, he would have never had the ministry that he had because it was the Holy Spirit doing it. Do we, does that make sense to everybody? Okay? Yeah, the baptism, uh, John, the Baptist, John the Baptist baptism, which is a baptism of repentance. Then you have the baptism of Jesus Christ, which is when Jesus was in the upper room and said, Receive the Holy Spirit, and he breathes on him, okay? Thus making them born again. And then you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is where the rubber meets the road. This is where the ministry of Jesus started. This is where the ministry of the apostles started. Without the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what I'm explaining to you will not happen as far as the, the power. Because you're going to have it where the, the new birth experience, the baptism of Jesus Christ is going to be an inward transformation into his image. Meaning, that's where you start actually bearing the fruit, the love, joy, the peace, the patience, grace, mercy, kindness, all of that, right? The indwelling, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, okay? Yeah, that's, yeah. So the baptism, the, yeah, the baptism of, of John is a bat of repentance. That's the turning away from the old wicked ways and then finally receiving onto the Lord his, who he is, his name, and his, his inheritance and his uh, image, okay? His likeness, his DNA, okay? Because now we become children of God. The third is the one that we have a tendency not to, to we have a tendency to overlook, okay? And that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, that is where the gifts come from. Okay, the giftings come from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there can be no gifts. Okay, and I, I always call it power evangelism. Okay, uh, just because it's like it's it's the power of the Holy Spirit that's setting people free. Okay, that's when I started actually doing this stuff. Before, swinging in a miss, you know what I mean? And I'm just okay. I don't understand. Or before, I was apologetically trying to debate somebody how and why he exists, why he's alive, you know, why he's the son of God, why you need to turn from him, okay? Um, that, it works, it does work, but I feel like it's, it's missing the actual power part of it, which is the Holy Spirit, okay? You, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Acts 8. I 
oh, I'm in Johnny. Okay, I was like, I'm the light of the world. That is not an axe. I started like, there we go. Okay, now watch. This is so cool. Um, this is Simon the Magician, okay? And um, you have it where I'm just going to skip to verse 10 of Acts 8. And so this man is the power of this man is the power of God, God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. Okay, this is talking about Simon. But, this is... Oh, sorry, yeah, I can... It's, it's, I was in John, yeah, that's my fault. Yeah, sorry. I know, I confused myself, yeah, I know. I am the light of the world. Wait, that's not Acts 8. Yeah, Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. See, I shouldn't have said anything. I should have said anything. I just distracted everybody. Yeah, so it's Acts chapter 8. Okay, yeah, there we go. Okay. Um, now, this is Simon the Magician. Now, Simon the Magician was seen as someone great because of his magic, all right? But when Philip, who is known as the evangelist, he's the only one in Scripture known as the evangelist, as he preached the good news, so he was preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. You see that? So there's the good news. Now, this is all one umbrella of good news, okay? He's preaching the kingdom of God, and he's preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. So both go hand in hand, okay? They were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. So my first question when I, when I came upon this was like, wait, I thought they were already baptized. Well, they were baptized, and it says, for he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit didn't fall on these people, but they believed that Jesus was Lord. Correct. Now, this is where Simon the Magician comes in. Because he wanted the Holy Spirit for money. He wanted to get his hand... He wanted... Oh, I'll just keep reading. Okay? Um, then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power so that anyone whom I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. Right there, that's a red flag. And that's why scripture also talks about um, don't be hasty to lay, laying on the hands. It says it's not, a, it, it don't, don't lay your hands on very quickly. You, it's, it takes discernment here, okay? Where Peter, Peter realizes, like, no, no, this person's not even ready to receive the power from on high. He's like, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness, and pray to the Lord, if possible, that the intent of your heart may be forgiven. And then he goes into the root, for I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And, and yet again, there's the conviction. Now, you're, you're dealing with someone who actually believed that Jesus was Lord. But then when he saw the Holy Spirit rest upon them, it was like, whoa, there's something different here. Okay? Um, I'll get another verse too. 
Uh, Acts chapter 19, verse 4. So Acts chapter 19, verse 4. Ready? This is so cool. Um, there, there he found some disciples. Okay, now this is Paul. Now this is Paul. He's, just, he's been converted from Saul to Paul. Now he's been traveling around. Um, and he said, Do you, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So now they, they believed. But they haven't even received the Holy Spirit. And, then, and they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, in what then were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. There's your John's baptism. And Paul said, John's baptism with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who has come after him, that is Jesus. Now all of a sudden you see the pieces come, come together. All right? And, and then once they heard that, on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus and the Lord Jesus. So there's the baptism of Jesus. So now they're born again right there. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. All right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so these people here, John indeed baptized the baptism of repentance. So those people were baptized, you know, John the Baptist repented, but they didn't put their faith in Jesus. Were they really, they weren't being born again? Nope. Okay, so then here, they should believe in him who would put a believe that's put their faith in Jesus. Then they're born again. Then Paul laid their hands on them. Yep. So they received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit when yep. they put their faith in Jesus. Yep. That is absolutely 100% correct, what, everything you just said. So the belief that upon salvation, every believer has the Holy Spirit, that's an indwelling. Correct. But then there's the, we learned in that last, upon, upon right. not him. Okay. Right. Okay. Right. And this was news to me. Like, this is, like, I thought, oh, it's all one thing, right? And then someone's like... But then when I'm reading in scripture, I'm hearing that there's not, it's not one thing. And I remember getting explained to this by a pastor, YouTube, because YouTube University. And then he just laid out all the scripture verses. And I had to sit back and I'm like, well, that makes a lot of sense. That was my next question. How did you find this? Yeah, and that was all, and that was all, I think it was my, it was either my wife. It may have been Deb. Oh, no, it was my, it was my wife who stumbled upon it. It was Derek Prince. Um... He, he said, she stumbled upon it and then she began speaking in tongues after she heard of it. You know, and like this whole thing that I'm sharing and then all of a sudden she went through the process that he had and then all of a sudden she's, and, and at that time, remember, she's my fiance. I don't even believe in this stuff. Like I ran away from people that like did this. Like I was like, you are possessed by the devil. You know what I mean? And... um Oh, not, not hurt. No, that's what I thought of anybody that okay. d- professed it. Okay. They're weirdos. They're wackos. They're, I threw, you know, I, I just said, I'm running away from this. I was literally told, just run away from them. They're, so just look, get out. Yeah. Oh, I ran away. Yeah. Ran away. Yeah. That was my, that was right. That was my theology. My theology, that didn't line up with my theology. Therefore, I was like, uh uh-uh. uh. 
Well, and then I watched it, and then I, I'm like, well, I'm like, Lord, and I had to talk. I'm like, Lord, you, you told me, I'm like, and and he, and it, it was like really the first time he really spoke very adamantly, and I really heard the voice of of him. He said, "This is the person you're going to marry." Okay, through various ways, and then that's a huge, uh, another long story in and of itself, funny trail. Um, but. I'm like, Lord, you told me that this is the girl and I don't believe this stuff. So you got, you got to figure this out. Right. And then, yeah, I know. He's like, no, no, Adam, you need to figure it out. You know? And I'm like, oh, okay. So the great thing though, is that I watched the video too. And I, I'm sorry, scripture can't, I, I, I can't deny what I'm reading at that point. Yeah. It, it, on it, for me, I'm once, once it's in scripture, I'm like, well, Okay, Lord, you know, it's over. Like my argument's done because I was blinded by, I didn't, I never heard this until this guy just explained, and he explained it really well. Did we read Acts 2 about the day of Pentecost? Did you, I didn't read that, no, the day of Pentecost, no. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can't read scriptures without yeah. seeing it. Right, right. Yeah. I know. A lot of well, pastors avoid this passage. Yeah, they do. You know, they read that. I mean, I've been to a church recently, and it's just like the understanding is, I mean, yeah. my understanding, the Holy Spirit is um, within you Right. Right. And that's when that's when things really took off for me in general, because like and then then it was just like from a healing standpoint and this and this and, and God started actually I literally had a dry erase board and and um, and I said, OK, everything that I believed, I'm wiping it clean. OK, Lord, you write on this dry erase board because what I'm seeing in scripture isn't matching what I used to believe. So I know that this is true. And what I heard was not true. You know, and it's like, and these are people, the men of God, like they're not trying in any way that it just, that's just what happens. So it's like, and that's why there's grace in there. Okay. But even if we get to John 20, like I mentioned before, and this is John 20, 22, it says, and when he said this, first off, he said, peace, peace be with you as the father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And imagine though, like this is, this is the crew in the upper room who, who ran away from Jesus. And when they see Jesus walk through the wall, they're like, oh my gosh. And then you got to think what, what they were thinking, all this. And he just says, peace be with you. You know, like they got to be thinking, they got to be probably feeling convicted. Lord, I'm sorry. I'm... Peace be with you. All right. So he lays that out first. And then watch this. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you hold forgiveness for any, it is withheld. Now, we're not going to touch on that, what that scripture verse goes into. Huge rabbit hole. But he said, receive the Holy Spirit. But we know that that did not happen until Pentecost. So then what is he doing? He said, he breathed on them. Kind of like Narnia. If you ever read Narnia or watched the movie, where Aslan 
breathed on the people that were made of stone and made them alive. That's what happened in that upper room. Now they believed that Jesus was Lord because he raised from the dead. He walked through a wall and then he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Pretty amazing. Okay? I get the impression that you're thinking it's only like occasionally he comes upon you. No, I I, I have to actually explain this to others. I have people in my church that just think it's just all one. Mm -hmm. So I'm probably like the only one (laughs) in my church. You know, I've got she understands who she was from. (laughs) So they look at it like it's all one. Like recently they just read first Corinthians chapter twelve, you know, you got the word of the knowledge, the sermon of the spirit, and they look at it like they're empowered, there's no there's no differences between the new life of the Holy Spirit and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. But I experienced it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Adam was, um, God used Adam, you know, and I was ready. I mean, and I had it come down upon me. And so, I tried to explain it to somebody else that it's the Baptist, the Baptist of ministry, it's empowered, it's like more of the Holy Spirit thing, like more to be able to do more, more empowerment of the Holy Spirit to reach the lost, to reach the ones mm-hmm. that are oppressed and to lay your hands on people. Mm-hmm. But they look at it like it's all one category. You know what I mean? You have, that's why that's why when you said no baptism of the Holy Spirit, no gifts, they would they would cut you to his nail. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the times is always the stumbling block. Mm-hmm. Right. Tongues. A lot of times they say that's just their different languages. Right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you speak this language, this language, all these different languages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I typically, when it comes to tongues, when I'm, I'm talking to someone that I really don't know, I usually, in no way am I trying to, like, avoid that, but I usually don't talk about that one because it's a hot topic, and that's just going to distract, it's just going to distract them the whole thing. It's like, let's just focus on on God's word, let's just focus on the presence of the Lord and let's focus on like from a ministerial standpoint, like I'm just going to minister to you and, and then when people ask questions, they ask questions, you know. It's like, well, what do you think of tongues? It's like, okay, crap. You know, at that point, now they're like, okay, now, now this is going to be a debate. And that's not, that it's like, I, I, I would... They ask because they're ready. Yeah, in some cases, they, yes. Yeah, in other cases, they're like, oh yeah, are you one of those believers in tongues? You know, and that... Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, you Pentecostal, yeah. And, and it's just like, yeah. So, I don't, I don't, like I said, I keep quiet about that, but I can't yeah. explain this area. Yeah. And, and that's why I, I've always wondered, what's wrong with tongues? Right. And that's a great question. Just, just go, I like that approach. Well, what's wrong with tongues? Something wrong with tongues? You know what I mean? Act like, and they'd be like, you know. Yeah. So how do you work? That, that's why 
that's one of the weaknesses I think of the church. Yeah. As we think of the church, you know, uh, organized services is it doesn't leave room for the moving of the Holy Spirit because mm -hmm. I mean you literally have an order an order of worship yeah. and I mean yeah. it's time it's you know this right this time this happens at this and it, and it that has to exist or there be you know right there's they want. yeah where do you where do you right. sort out because then you're sanctioning all this stuff and, and it's too big of a group to have everyone speaking out whenever they want to. that's what the problem with tongues is right it, it's because it doesn't fit in the box of of our church services right no and it doesn't have to be used there right, right. no and, and i think that's why they are trying to keep it and trying to not have that be a part of a service because it, how do you okay well it's right in here it's 12 minutes for speaking in tongues yeah right yeah seven minutes or is it 37 minutes yeah I <laughs> yeah i know no that, that's, that's good right and, and that's the thing too, like, and plus like what they do is that they'll see people that there's people that abu have been ab abused the, let's right. say the giftings exactly. and they then it's a big mess. Have it and use it as a platform to totally derail right. the work of the spirit through other ways in your church. Right. And so that's what, but that's I've, been in, I've been in so many venues where that's, they're allowing the gifts of the spirit and it's not, it's not chaos. Yeah. It, it deals. It deals with. Lead, I know. It, it deals with leadership too, because you even have it in scripture, where he talks about. Okay, if someone speaks in tongues, you know, is there anybody to interpret it? And the answer is no. Okay, it's like shut your mouth, like politely. He says, shut your mouth, and let's keep moving on. You know what I mean? But that's up to the overseer to recognize what's going on. And you stop the like. Someone gets up there and starts like, like speaking in tongues. You're like, okay, guys, what's? Does anyone have the interpretation? No. Please be quiet. Okay. Sometimes you know? That's true. Yeah. Okay. And that'd be funny. Like he speaks in time, then he raises his hands. Okay. Well, I've got the interpretation. It's like, okay, well then we'll listen to, you know, and that, and I've, I've had that happen too, you know, but it, it just deals with the overseer as far as that goes and how, because things could get out of control. Yeah. It's like, it, it's it, it turns into a mess. <laughs> I know. Correct. Yeah, Correct. You're right. So I've been in three-hour services, four-hour services, and it's very orderly, and people are hungry, and they want the Holy Spirit, and they'll sit there for three hours when the Spirit's moving. Yeah. If the Spirit's not moving, it's one hour, and you're out. Yeah. You're any period after that. Mm-hmm. So, no. And, and that's, those are good points. Yep. <laughs> you're dealing with a spectrum of people who get poured into by malt. It's, it's a mudding of the water. Like, so like typically a, a bigger church, there's a lot of muddy theology and like, and, and that's where we get into the issue. Then people start inwardly fighting and then the church breaks up. You know what I mean? And it's like, and, it, and that's where 
the from a megachurch standpoint, that's why they have to be a, they have to like almost juggle this huge kind of unfortunate mess. You know what I mean? Where people, oh, we don't. But the problem is, well, we don't want them leaving the church. You know what I mean? And then it becomes more of like a I think like a churchianity like standpoint. You know what I mean? Um, but I I agree with that. Oh yeah. Will not return away. That's yep. a promise. That's an Isaiah. And God, God will be deep down. He'll give the increase. And I had just, I had prayed and prayed that God would just pour Himself into me and give me the passion for the gospel and for the lost. And you know, that's something that He wants from His people. Was I? Uh, did I have the passion of the Spirit? I didn't know. I, in my ignorance, I didn't know. So, but I felt like, you know, um, going to Haiti, the Lord sent us there, and He gave me those verses. Peace be unto you, and I send you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's and that was the the whole point of the Holy Spirit to begin with. You know, I mean, the power of the Holy Spirit from a high at Pentecost, and you get to Acts eight. And this is I love this. I just love Acts eight for many reasons. Number one, it discusses Philip the evangelist. All right, and it says now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, "Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down to from Jerusalem to Gaza." All right, the Holy Spirit or this says the angel of the Lord. All right, rise and go toward the south. Go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. He was already instructed to go. So, number one, we have to be ready to receive and ready to be obedient, because he could have easily said no. So this is a desert place, and he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who is in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, now all of a sudden, so now first off you hear that the angel of the Lord said to Philip to go, and now all of a sudden the spirit said to Philip. So there's two different things going on here. All right. And it says, go over and join this chariot. So now he's just going because he's being obedient. And now all of a sudden the whole, all it's always one step. He gives you the first step. Why am I out here? Don't worry about it. Focus on just doing the, the first step. Then he gets to the second step. Now the second step is go over there and join this chariot. So now what did Philip do? He ran to him and heard him. And then he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. All right. Now, so now you hear, he heard the angel of the Lord. He then hears the spirit and then he's attuned to what the eunuch is reading out loud. So now he heard. And what does he say? Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? What is that saying? He doesn't have a guide. He's not born again. Now, I will, from a personal standpoint, when I was saved, I... I literally, the Bible, I, w- I was at a Bible study, 
the Lord like literally said, you need to go to this. Well, I, but I didn't know what the Lord, I mean, I, I just was like, okay, Lord, I don't, I, I was searching for the meaning of life. And then I get a call from this, this friend. And then he, he shared with me, hey, you should come to this. And then I did. I didn't understand what I was reading because it literally was like a foreign language. I would open the Bible and it was like Chinese. But then the Holy Spirit came in me. I literally felt the breath of the Lord. Literally, I, I, felt, I felt like my lungs fill. And then I looked at scripture and all of a sudden it made sense because the author now lived in me. And we have a, a, an amazing time that we can open up scripture and be like, what is it saying, Lord, at any time? We have the author guiding us through the passages, the book that he had written. Okay, so um, he says, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. How amazing, this very passage. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shear, it was silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or somebody else? He didn't have a clue. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And then the spirit of the Lord carried him away, and the eunuch saw him no more. Now, at, you could go into that one, and that's another like, story of itself, as far as someone whisted him, like the spirit just moved him. Like Star Trek. Like zapped him and moved him. That's, that's how, in some cases, some people see it. All right?